Hey, it's Tuesday, July 12, 2022. A lawsuit against the government challenges gun bans for cannabis users. Denver steps up to truly help social equity applicants. California is giving grants to cultivators, and Pennsylvania enacts banking safety. So get ready. The marijuana industry is constantly changing with new laws, rules, and regulations. And whether you're working in the field or investing in it, you need to know what's happening. We keep you up to date by bringing you the latest information on the marijuana industry. So get ready, because this is the M News Now. Part of the basis of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade was that there was no historical right to abortions in the Constitution. Judge Alito wrote, The Constitution makes no reference to abortion, and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision. The conservative judges used this as a reason for removing federal involvement in the issue and sent it to the individual states for their own governance. The Supreme Court also used the Constitution as a reason for saying that states cannot deny gun rights to an individual. Judge Thomas wrote, We know of no other constitutional right that an individual may exercise only after demonstrating to government officers some special need. In other words, there should be no restrictions by the government on if a person should be allowed to have a gun. Currently, there is a federal ban against owning guns by cannabis users. This includes medical marijuana patients. Because of this ban, a top Democrat in Florida has filed a lawsuit against the Justice Department over the issue, calling it unconstitutional. Based on the recent rulings that defer to the Constitution, the plaintiff's lawsuits now ask, is there historical precedence to justify the current federal policy which prohibits people who admit to using cannabis as part of the background check process from purchasing and possessing firearms? Considering that marijuana was not prohibited during the time the Constitution was written, and the fact that cannabis was actually prescribed by doctors during the early days of the country, and during the time that the Second Amendment was written as well, the plaintiffs argued that the current ban is not justifiable. The revised lawsuit writes, Quite simply, there is no historical tradition of denying individuals their Second Amendment rights based solely, or even partially, on the use of marijuana. In fact, Historical evidence shows that marijuana was considered a legitimate and legal form of medicine in England, America, and other Western countries through the mid-19th and early 20th centuries. It was also discussed and researched for its medical properties in and around the time the Second Amendment was ratified. There was no law or regulation preventing marijuana users from possessing firearms in or around those time periods. Rather, such a ban did not come into existence until around the mid-20th century. The lawsuit's being headed by Florida Agriculture Commissioner and gubernatorial candidate Nikki Freed, along with other plaintiffs. A judge has set an August 8th deadline for the Department of Justice to respond to the updated lawsuit. The Justice Department has already indicated that it does plan to file a motion to dismiss, rather than make an argument for the merits of the legal challenge. Yesterday we spoke about social equity, what it means and how it's working. We learned about the difficulties that some states, like Arizona, are having in truly helping social equity cases. Colorado has just announced a new program to help social equity applicants to get in the cannabis industry in their state. The city of Denver is using $500,000 from Denver's retail cannabis sales tax revenue to fund the program. It's being headed by the partnership of the Denver Economic Development and Opportunity Department and a group called The Color of Cannabis, whose mission is to help more minorities get into the industry. The new program, called the Social Equity Technical Assistance Program, 
will be a 10-week class that touches on the history and politics of the industry, along with covering issues like compliance, delivery, hospitality, and the market. Their goal is to do more than just offer social equity licenses. Their goal is to actually make sure that those social equity licenses are being used by those for who it's intended. So if you're an aspiring cannabis business owner in Colorado, and you meet the criteria for a social equity license, then this program is for you. The deadline to sign up for the program is Friday, July 15th at 5 p.m., and the initial training will begin July 23rd. California is in process of granting a total of $6 million for sustainable cannabis cultivation. The grant program is sponsored by the California Department of Fish and Wildlife, and it's called the Cannabis Restoration Grant Program. So far, they've awarded more than $1.7 million in grants, and the remaining $4.3 million is still available and open for applications. Grants are awarded to eligible nonprofits, government entities, and tribes, which can then distribute funds to individual grower applicants. The purpose of the grant is to promote sustainable cannabis cultivation. Grant money can also assist cultivators in processing and paying for their annual licensing. Sustainable projects could be for things such as to enhance water conservation, land conservation, restoration projects, and the like. For this first round, two large grants have been assigned. One is for the cultivation certification organization named Sun and Earth, who received nearly $400,000 for planning purposes and to expand their operations, with a focus on land restoration and conservation on marijuana farms across the state. The second one that's already been granted was to Mendocino County Resource Conservation District, and it was for nearly $1.4 million for water conservation projects in the South Fork Eel River watershed. The money is being specifically allocated to install three rainwater collection systems, upgrade irrigation infrastructure, manage invasive species, and bring in native, pollinator-friendly plants. The Acting Cannabis Program Director, Sarah Paulson, said in a press release, These are well-conceived and timely planning projects that will result in lasting benefits to the fish and wildlife resources and the habitats they depend upon for survival. Supporting these entities will help preserve California's natural resources and pave the way for future cannabis farmers in the regulated market. The application window will remain open until April of 2023. Pennsylvania's governor, Tom Wolf, who's been pro-cannabis legalization, has officially signed a bill into law which includes provisions to protect banks and insurers who work with licensed cannabis businesses. The measure will not protect banks and insurers from potential federal repercussions, but it represents an interim step meant to signal to the financial sector that they at least won't face penalties under state law. The legislation says that the state government agencies cannot prohibit, penalize, or otherwise discourage a financial institution or insurer from providing financial or insurance services to a legitimate cannabis-related business or the business associates of a legitimate cannabis-related business. It also says agencies cannot recommend, incentivize, or encourage a financial institution or insurer to not provide services just because a business is associated with marijuana. Further, state agencies cannot take adverse or corrective supervisory action on a loan made to a legitimate cannabis-related business. This new Pennsylvania legislation is one of many states who are working to provide protection to financial institutions who service the cannabis industry while Congress continues to stall on making federal changes. That's all you need to know for today. 
Be sure to keep listening for the latest updates. And follow us on themnewsnow.com. Later.